Alright, good morning Crossroads Ministries. Welcome, happy 4th of July weekend everyone. For those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If any other turn with us here this morning, would you please stand and worship our great God with us here this morning. Here we go. Call us out from the dead into your freedom. Our chains are gone. No weapon form shall prevail. Your word is stronger. We Great commander, 
Say good morning, give them a high five, fist bump, whatever you want to do. Say good, say hello to somebody.
please this morning. God, you are good. And we are so glad, Lord, that everything that you put into our lives, everything that we go through, every trial and circumstance, it is for your good. It is for your glory. And Lord, if we would just trust you in those instances in our lives, how glorious our life will be because we've trusted you with our lives. So Lord, as we continue this morning, I pray that you will just help us to just lift our voices gloriously to praise your name because you are here in this room with us. And let us not forget who you are. You are salvation. You are our friend, our lover, our King of kings and Lord of lords, and the one that we can build our solid rock on. God, you are worthy of all of our praise, and we give that to you this morning because of who you are. Amen. Thank <laughs> you. 
that's all the candy Grandpa. I really like the dandy. I'm glad I am. So Uncle Sam, I'm a real life Yankee Doodle. Made my name and fame and boodle just like Mr. Doodle did by riding on a pony. I love the <coughs> Well, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that all my dress-up clothes would fit you so good. I know. I look fabulous. <sighs> yes, you do. Here, put this cape around your neck. You can be Captain America when he's too old to fight bad guys. Hmm. Go ahead, put it on. Well, sweetheart, I don't think this is something that we should um, make a cape out of. How come? It's just black. Just a flag. Here, let Grandpa sit down. Hallie, uh, do you know what honor means? You mean that thing that God says I gotta do to my parents? <laughs> That's the one. You see, honor is when in your heart that you decide to make something or someone very important and very special. So I guess I honor you then. Honor you too, kiddo. <laughs> and every time that I look at this flag, I respect it. And it reminds me that I honor the country that I fought for, the country that you and I live in, and the men and women who sacrifice so much so we can live in freedom. And it also reminds me to thank God for all of it. So maybe instead of wearing the flag, we should put it way up high where everyone can see it. <laughs> That's a bingo, girl. <laughs> like on top of the house? There you go. No, the chimney. <laughs> We'll just get a flagpole. Well, we want to take a moment and welcome you this July 4th weekend. Let's thank God for our country. Amen. Thank God for America. As, uh, as we celebrate this holiday weekend, I just want to remind you that God has been good. God has blessed America. And while the world is upside down right now, God is still working and he's still moving. And I want to encourage you, let's thank God for this country. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Amen. So God has given us this land. Yes, thank God for his, this country. And I also want to thank all those who have served in our armed forces. If you're a veteran here this morning, would you stand up? I mean, after watching that, we have to honor you. I know Pastor Al, are there others? Let's thank God for all these veterans here this morning. God bless. Amen. You may be seated, please. We thank God for your service to our country. We thank God for the freedom that we have to worship freely here in America. You know, the uh, around the globe, you don't have what we have here. Uh, you know, it is a privilege to come without anybody telling us what we can and can't do. Nobody's filtering us out. We are giving the word of the Lord freely here, and we do it openly, and we do it without without uh, without having to hide it. Amen. 
And so I want to encourage you. Let's thank God for this country. And uh, before we go to a time of prayer, I just want to remind you of a few announcements that are coming up your way. We've got Vacation Bible School next Sunday. This place is going to look like Vacation Bible School in here. Uh, our mega sports camp, it'll be July 11th through the 15th. They have over 275 kids signed up already. Can we thank God for that? Huh? Yeah. So if you go to the website, you can register at crsmin.com. If the website tells you that you can't register, please call into the church, and Chrissy will help you get in, all right? Chrissy will make a way for your kid, all right? We don't want any of our own to be turned away, so, but uh, I'm sure that there will be, there will be a limit. There's only so much space, and they're taking over the whole place. You're going to be all over the place, so uh, if, if, you, if that's you, you haven't registered your kid yet, and you go to the website, you can't figure it out, please call in here on Tuesday, and we will help you make sure that you get your kid registered for VBS. So be in prayer. That's a big week coming up, isn't it? I'm so thankful. We're going to have so many kids from our community here. Such an opportunity to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and watch people come into a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what we're all about. We're right on mission here through the summer. And then uh, you'll notice that uh, we have our church picnic will be coming up on August the 7th. I want to encourage you to mark that day. We'll go out to, uh, to the park there, Palmer Park, right after church here after the 11 o'clock service. And uh, we'll spend the afternoon out there. So mark that day on your calendar. Plan to have lunch with us and just have a, a nice day of fellowship out there at the park. And then I've also been asked to announce that, uh, uh, you know, we have our regular regular weekly things that are going on on, on Tuesday night. Um, I'm sorry, Wednesday night we have our men's gathering. Tuesday night is the car cruise. We'll go back to Tuesday there, sorry. Tuesday night is the car cruise every uh, every Tuesday, 5 to 9 up here. They have concessions in the gymnasium, and I and Al told me that kids eat free over there. So, all right. So, uh, if you want to bring your kids up and eat free, bring your kids up and eat free. It'll be a good time. All right. So, have a good time over there in the gymnasium. And then Wednesday night we have our men's gathering. We'll be here with our men's group downstairs. And then on uh, Friday evening, I've also been asked to announce that there's a group meeting over at the. At the youth building over there in library, they're going to have a potluck dinner. So if you want to just uh, take some food over there and hang out and get to know people, they're going to start doing that on Friday nights over there. So I want to encourage you. These are all opportunities to get to know people and get connected here at Crossroads. But uh, this morning, before we go to prayer and, uh, and just thanking the Lord for our country, would you stand with us and let's sing God Bless America. And uh, let's just ask God for his continued grace. As you go out this week on the 4th of July, on tomorrow and Monday, I want to encourage you. Uh, don't just use it as a day to get a hot dog. Don't just use it as a day to have a day off. Use it as a day to pause and, number one, thank God for our country. Number two, pray for our country. We need to pray for our country more than we have ever prayed for it. And so while, while the battle is raging, remember, we are on the victory side. We are citizens of a higher land, and that is heaven. Amen? So we, we get to be set. Yes, we are citizens of heaven. Amen? And so uh, I want to encourage you. We are, we, are, we are fighting not for victory. We're fighting from victory. We are on the victorious side. Jesus Christ has already won the battle. Read the Bible. We are going to be with him forever and ever in heaven. Thank God we won't have to be forever and ever right here. Amen? However, this is our land. God's called us to love it and to protect it. And so we want to ask God to continue his guidance on our country. So as we go out this 4th of July, be a proud American. 
and thank God for what He has done through the founding of this country for the great history. And while it is a turbulent time right now, let's ask God to work. Because even when you think He's not working, that's when I found He's working a little bit more. So let's go and sing God Bless America, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for our country this morning. Lord, you said that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father up above. Lord, the uh, the gift that you have given to us of this land, we thank you for it, and we thank you for the the founding of our fathers, Lord, who went out in faith to uh, to find a place to freely worship you. And so, God, we are here two, more than 200 years later standing on those shoulders, and we thank you for the fact that we are still freely worshiping you. And God, we ask now with our, our, our government, Lord, I ask that you will uh, shake this place, Lord. The, the, this world is upside down. They have uh, tried to take you out of the picture, but God, we know that's impossible. They may try to ignore you, but you will just make your voice louder and clearer. God, use the people of our church. Use us as citizens of the United States, Lord, but also citizens of your kingdom, citizens of the heavenly kingdom. God, allow us to go out and impact the world, impact our country that will not only impact the United States of America, but impact a globe. So, God, we ask, Lord, that you'll do your mighty work. Thank you, God, for this country called America, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for the freedom that we get to have here. But we thank you, more importantly, for the sacrifice that was made by you on the cross so that we might have the freedom in Christ and that we'll be citizens of heaven for eternity. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters around the globe today. And as they celebrate wherever they are on their day of thankfulness for their country, Lord, uh, we come to this day, our day, but we, we know that we are citizens of a greater land with a bigger body, with the family of God that's global. Lord, we thank you and we ask that you move mightily in our service as we continue. In your name we pray. Amen. We were waiting without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the 
On last Sunday, we started a series in the Psalms, Summer in the Psalms. We started with Psalm chapter 1, and this morning, I've asked Pastor Al to come and lead us as he continues on in the book of Psalms. Pastor Al has been on staff here for 23 years with us, and he has also he leads our Celebrate Recovery Ministries on Monday night here. Al's involved in a lot of care ministries at the church. Would you welcome Pastor Al as he shares from God's Word this morning? Thanks, Pastor. Well, we would like to welcome everyone, those who are listening online and also uh, with us in our service today. Well, we're currently on an adventure with a message series entitled Summer in the Psalms, Soaking in the Beauty of God. And last week we explored Psalm chapter 1, and I'd like to bring out just a, uh, a few thoughts about Psalm chapter 1. First, blessed is the man. The Hebrew word for blessed carries the idea of happiness, indicating a state of pleasurable satisfaction to the point of contentment with great joy. The Apostle Paul stated in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, that he had learned to be content in whatsoever circumstance he was in. And I would like to add on, with great joy. Second, his delight is in the law of the Lord. We are to delight in and be saturated with God's word. It has been said that whatever we delight in directs us. Third, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water. We are to have our roots grow deep in God and be nourished from His Word and by His presence. Today we're going to explore Psalm chapter 51 and let's begin reading. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 1 through 4, and this is a conversation of God, or rather a conversation of David with God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Psalm 51 was written by the faithful, humble, loyal, Lover and seeker of God, shepherd boy who became the conquering warrior and then became king. But what took place that David went from being so rooted in God that he was now pleading for God's mercy? Let's check out the backdrop of this psalm, which is found in Second Samuel chapter 11 and 12. It's springtime and David had sent Joab and the army to fight against the Ammonites. But the king who had conquered Goliath remained in Jerusalem. He was at the top of his game, and he was experiencing incredible success. One day after relaxing on his couch, he got up and began to walk around. Then he went up onto the rooftop of the palace. Suddenly he noticed a beautiful woman who was bathing, and he sent his servant to find out who she was. David was informed that her name was Bathsheba, and she was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, ironically, David knew who Uriah was because Uriah was one of the valiant, mighty men who had defended David. We're told in the Bible that he had a band of 30 mighty men. There's actually 37 of them, but it's just mentioned 30 mighty men. And he was one of them who was there to defend David. We don't know all the details. We only know that David sent for her and he committed adultery with her. Some time passed and she sent a message 
to the king. And it simply stated, I am pregnant. David sent to the battle for Uriah, a loyal soldier, a man of integrity, to leave the battle and to come to him. David wanted for Uriah to go home to be with his wife. King David was frustrated because on two different attempts, he tried to have Uriah go to be with his wife. And instead, Uriah stayed back at the palace and slept with the servants. Then the king arranged for Uriah's death. David sent Uriah back to the battle with the following message. Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and killed simply to keep his own sin under wraps. There comes a day when the prophet Nathan approaches David and tells him about a wealthy man and a poor man. He said that the poor man owned only one little lamb and he loved it and nurtured it and took care of it, did everything he could for it. But the rich man took that one little lamb away from the poor man. David responded by saying, that man deserves to die. And Nathan said, David, you are the man. The association of Psalm 51 and with Second Samuel is an expression of a heart overwhelmed by shame, humbled and broken by guilt. And yet saved from despair by faith and the mercy of a holy, loving, and compassionate God. Oftentimes a light comes to us in the form of a parent or a grandparent. Possibly a friend or a teacher or a coach. A pastor or an accountability partner. It might not have appeared that way at first. As a conqueror was confronted and King David was sickened by his own sin. But God blessed David with Nathan's confrontation. Nathan had the God-given wisdom of knowing how to reach the inner recesses of David's heart. I have in your notes today, we all need someone we can trust and someone who really knows us. We all need someone we can trust and someone who really knows us, warts and all. We all need a Nathan. Psalm chapter 51, verse 1 and 2 David said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David was pleading for God's mercy, reminding God of his attributes. God's attributes to being loving kindness and abundant mercy. Sin has layers. One is transgressions. It implies rebellion or revolt. Another is iniquity. It implies crookedness or deceit. In fact, God's word tells us the heart is deceptive. All have sinned and come short of his glorious standard. We may revolt against God's standard. We may try to twist it in an attempt to avoid acknowledging guilt. Or we may miss the mark. David made a plea for complete forgiveness. We're saying, blot out my rebellion against you. This is a comparison with human records that can be erased or debt that has been paid. And let me say that Jesus Christ paid your debt, your sin debt. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 tells us for our sake, he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God through him. He said, wash me of my, dis- wash me of my deceit. It compares forgiveness. 
with washing clothing, even to the point of bleaching away all impurities. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 tells us, Come now and let us reason together, declares the Lord. Though your sins may be scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Cleanse me from missing the mark. Is drawn from the ceremonial law in which one might be purified for temple participation. Or to the point of somebody who is diseased would be totally healed. Another thought in your bulletin is this. Forgiveness is rooted in God's compassion for the helpless and an expression of his unfailing love. Forgiveness because of his compassion and his unfailing love. All of us struggle with sin. Human nature pulls us down just as gravity keeps us down. First John chapter 1, verse 8, we read, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are three ways in which we may deal with our sin. One is to cover them. We tend to deceive ourselves and others, and in the process we lie to God who already knows the truth. He knows the best and worst about us and yet loves us with unconditional love. No strings attached. We may confess them, admit and agree with God about your sin. This involves the heart and the will. There are definitely times when we need to make amends to those we have offended. No need to go public. It's going to the individual. Confession brings release and freedom and forgiveness. And by the way, it can bring us to a place of a new beginning. We may conquer them. Jesus is our advocate. His word tells us there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not by our own strength, but ultimately by his power. We're told not by might nor by power, but by my spirit declares The Lord, I want to encourage you to abide in him, love him, and walk with him in the light of his word. Psalm chapter 51, verse 3 through 4, David said, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. David lived with the sin of adultery and murder bottled up with inside him for about a year. Can you imagine that? And a lot of times that's what takes place in our life. It's just bottled up. And we're trying to live life and deal with it on our own. Perhaps David had so rationalized his actions that he did not sense his guilt until the day that Nathan approached him. He confessed his sin and acknowledged that anything God decided about him would be just. David was just saying, God, I want to be in your hand for decisions. David was aware of the wonder and the immediate remedy of God's mercy and of an extent, exceeding precious promise of pardon for wrong that he had committed. David had a sense of personal accountability, not an evasion of responsibility on the grounds of a chance circumstance or an instinctive urge. No blaming of ignorance. No attempting of putting blame on Bathsheba. 
His depth of conviction is stressed as he said, my sin is ever before me. Psalm chapter 51, verse 5 and 6. David said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Man is depraved by nature, which means that sin has a firm grip on each human being and that all people perform acts of sin. From David's early years, he faced inner tension, knowing that God desired for him to humbly follow the Lord. Truth involves living honestly with God and with self, confessing failures and yet struggling to choose the path God has laid out. Being a real in our relationship with God and ourselves means total honesty in evaluating what we say and what we do. Psalm chapter 51, verse 7 through 9. David says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And his prayer for forgiveness, he made the same request as before, but now he goes in reverse order. Now he says, cleanse, wash, and blot out. Cleansing with hyssop was an image of hyssop being dipped in blood and then being sprinkled on the sacrificial altar. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That is why Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood for us. Without that, there was no forgiveness. It was impossible for Jesus to die a natural death or any other way but to go to the cross and shed his blood for us. It was so that we could be forgiven. It was so that we could be redeemed. It was so that we could be made right in God's eyes. David deeply desiring joy. David deeply desired joy from the presence of the living God. And there are times in our life, even if you may, it sometimes be following God hard and passionately as David did. And something comes into your life, something happens, something takes place. And it just seems that there's no longer any joy. You're not going to fight through it to create joy. That's not the way to do it. That was never God's plan. His plan was never to say, just get up, work hard, and you'll, you'll, get, you'll get there. Because I happen to believe joy comes from a source that's so much greater than us. Listen to what Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Isn't that awesome? So that the God of all hope may fill you with joy. In fact, just in, back in January as a church we are reading a book entitled the 21, or 21 Dangerous Prayers. And one of the prayers in there for one of the days, was to restore to me the joy of my salvation. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 10, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It is not God creating something from nothing as he did at creation. God is capable of extending forgiveness and transforming the inner self. And he wants to do that for us. Create in me 
a clean heart. Not David saying, God, let me just take some time away and fix myself. David knew that he couldn't. But he knew that God could. He knew that God could ex- would extend his forgiveness and transform him. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. David pled for restoration and renewal. He asked that God would purify his heart. David had a time of confession. To God and to Nathan, we don't know what took place behind closed doors with he and Bathsheba. We're not aware of any of that conversation that took place. God also told David in Second Samuel chapter 12, there'd be some consequences for his sin. There would be consequences he would face. Listen, we've all sinned. We've all done wrong. And some things, it's, sometimes it comes down to different consequences. But David did face some consequences. But I want you to understand something. In the midst of the consequences, he found comfort in the Lord. Because the Lord was with him. God didn't say, okay, David, you screwed up. And I'm out of here. God let David know, David, you screwed up. And guess what? I'm right here with you. And I'm going to walk with you even through the consequences. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be right with you. And he makes that promise to us. That he'll even be comfort with us through consequences. Psalm chapter 51 verse 11. David said, cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was experienced by believers as an Enabling divine presence. David's predecessor, Saul, had been deprived of the Holy Spirit. Because of Saul's sins, God had removed the Holy Spirit from Saul. And we'd see times where Saul was so outraged, he tried to kill David, who was a hard player for him. He tried to even kill his own son, Jonathan, because Jonathan was wanting to side with David. He became so angry, and David was concerned that his sin might be so great that the same thing would happen to him. The anxious worshiper feared the absence of God. There's a vital difference, though, between the enabling presence of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. In your notes there, it's trouble and distress may lead us to perceive God's absence. Trouble and distress may perceive, lead us to perceive God's absence. But I want you to know, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, he doesn't abandon you. I believe there will be times in our life when we're shout to the living God, God, why? God, why? Because it doesn't make sense. And I think God loves us when we come to him with those why questions. With our hearts broken. Nothing making sense. Our world turned upside. God doesn't say, don't talk to me like that. I think God says, you're being honest. 
Because until we come to the place of honesty, what do we want God to do? He doesn't abandon us. He makes a choice to be there with us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. We're just going to read the first part. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. And you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's there with you. Psalm chapter 51, verse 12. David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David petitioned God for inward renewal of his heart, attitude, preservation and service, and restoration of joy. He was aware that he had become indifferent in his attitudes and needed renovation in God's spiritual renewal in his life. Psalm chapter 51, verse 13 through 16, David said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. David said that if God would forgive him, he said, God, I'll teach sinners your ways. And I'll sing and I'll praise you. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. A believer must have a spear broken of all self-assertion. He must acknowledge his need before God to find spiritual renewal and cleansing. I believe hope bellows through this psalm, declaring as David did in Psalm chapter 42, verse 11. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted? Within me. Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation. And my God. God can do what only he can do. He can create a clean heart. In us. Through God's grace. And forgiveness. We can be freed from sins. Domination. In First John chapter 1 verse 7. We read. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Salvation only comes from the Lord. In turn, we're able to praise him and tell others about what he has done for others. That's what David did. David said, God, because of what you've done for me, now I get to do this. I get to share your redemption story. I don't think David was so excited about sharing all his conquests. But I'll tell you what, I believe he was really excited about buying, being able to tell the story about the redemption in his life. Of what God had done for him. And we get to do the same, to share our story. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 17, David said, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. David knew it was what it was to offer sacrifices to God. He had done it on many occasions and, and to the place where you think there's no end to it. Because we're not just talking about one animal being sacrificed. It went into the thousands. But now he was, had a new awareness that the sacrifice that the Lord really desired 
was a broken and a contrite or a crushed heart and a humbled spirit. God does not seek to crush us and turn us into weeping nobodies. That's not his plan. The images of David's admission of lack of humility before God. David knew what it was, what was right, but made the wrong choice anyway. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I know what to do. I know the right thing to do. And I do the wrong thing anyway. The broken and contrite heart is ever responsive to God, willing to do his will. Psalm 51 is one of the best examples of repentance in the Old Testament. And its nearest New Testament parallel is with the tax collector. In Luke chapter 18, verse 13, we have a picture. There's a Pharisee, a religious man, and he's standing there in the temple. And and he's looking around and he's dressed just wonderfully. And he's got his act together, so he thought. And he said, God, I want to thank you that I'm not like that guy over there. And we're told the tax collector was sort of standing afar off. He wouldn't even look up to the heavens. He was beating on his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord, I believe, loved hearing those words. The Pharisee, I'm not sure. Do you know what the Lord thought about those words of the Pharisee? I can only imagine. Imagine that. He was so consumed with his goodness... He thought nothing of God. Those who repent, trust God's love and acknowledge that all sin is against God. Don't try to justify themselves in any way and ask for God's forgiveness and a fresh start. We can join in David's confession, his confidence in God's mercy and his hope for forgiveness. The proper function of guilt is to lead us to take responsibility. For our sin. To recognize that sin ultimately relates to God. And alienates us from him. And to confess God's justice. Rather than trying to simply justify ourselves. Guilt achieves its goal. When we desire a clean heart. From God. Rather than the evil dreams. That it will produce. Man cannot cope. With guilt alone. It does not matter how many worship services you have attended. And it doesn't matter how many good deeds you have done. Your goodness will always be insufficient. You cannot be good enough to deserve forgiveness. No one is perfect. No one is without sin. Not me, not you, not anyone else. Quit trying to quench your own guilt. You can't do it. There's no way. Not with a bottle of whiskey and not with perfect church attendance. It's never going to happen. I don't care how bad you think you are. And I don't care how good you think you are. You'll never be able to overcome your sin and your guilt and your shame on your own. You need a savior. If you're here today and you know that Jesus Christ is your savior... You know that you've been forgiven. You know that he has brought you that place of acceptance, forgiveness and love. And you know that there's going to be a day when you take your final breath, you're going to be with him. I want you to be reminded if that's you, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. 
Be reminded that God is not keeping a record of your sins. In fact, his word tells us he takes our sin and he casts them into the deepest sea. And he made a choice to never remember them. But our sin may keep us in bondage, keeping us from experiencing his freedom from the guilt of it and allowing us to walk victoriously and joyously in his presence. If that's you today, I'm going to just invite you to take a moment and talk to God about it. You may even need to say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Remember, he can do it. Look at what he did for David. And if you're with us today or viewing online and you may say, listen, I haven't come to that place of faith in Christ yet. I'm on a journey. I'm not sure where I am on the journey. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm trying to just figure it out. Well, then, for you today, I've got a couple questions. One is, do you think you have committed too great a sin for God to forgive? And I want you to say, I want you to know absolutely not. Listen, there's no sin that is too big for God to forgive. Jesus went to the cross for you. Do you think you've waited too long to ask for his pardon? I want to encourage you today to receive God's forgiving grace. Just like David did. And I'm going to ask us to pray at this time. And if you're with me and you may say, hey, Al, I need to do that. I just need to say, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Or you may be here and you'd say, Al, I want Jesus. I want him. I want his forgiveness. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me wherever you're at. There's no magic in the words. It's just us transferring ourselves, our trust from ourselves onto him. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life and to be my savior. Dear Jesus, help me to... Grow in you and help me to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand as we close?
on behalf of Crossroads Ministries, I want to thank you for joining us here this morning. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. Have a great weekend. You are dismissed.